Happy Thanksgiving, everybody out there. Uh, Woo! It's the Resistance Broadcast, and we are here on Thanksgiving morning because we love you so much, and we <laughs> want to still do the podcast, even though it's Thanksgiving. Uh, it's bright outside. Uh, I smell cooking going on upstairs. Uh, James, I don't know about you, but uh, Thanksgiving's always a great day. It's always a fun day, and it's always a day where we eat a lot of food. Um, I imagine it's what it's like being Jabba the Hutt, but not being a jerk. What do you think? That does make sense. I feel like it's a lot of waiting. Like, it's like, man, I can smell, and I'm hungry, mm -hmm. but I don't want to eat, but I also want a snack because people put out snacks. But not too much. Um, but I, yeah, I definitely enjoy... Um, like being with family and hanging out with family, it's never like a bad thing for me, you know? Mm -hmm. So all of the people that we end up getting together with and doing like uh, Thanksgiving um, is always, always fun for me. I like seeing them and hanging out and talking and everything like that. Yeah. Do you happen to do any sort of friends giving? Do you have a it's, group of friends? It's funny you say that because for a while we did do that and then it stopped. A few people moved away. Um, one of the people who hosted it moved away and that sort of broke it up a bit. But we're, yeah. redo we're doing it again this year. Um, similar group of friends, a couple different, uh, but we are going to be doing that. It's, but we all decided we're going to do an Italian-based uh, Friendsgiving because we don't want to do redo you're gonna, the whole thing. You're going to murder people? Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. But no, we're going to do Italian food and Italian desserts, yeah. appetizers, all that stuff uh, as our friends giving because I don't, you know, I, I was like, I don't want to do a whole another round of Thanksgiving food two weeks after Thanksgiving. So yeah. yeah, the theme's there. The vibe is there, but we're doing a different type of food for that. But traditional Thanksgiving at my family, my parents' house, we're going to uh, later today. So um, what about you? You do a Friendsgiving? I do not know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think the idea is fun. I just, uh, it, no one has ever organized anything like that. And most of the time too, I find that, um, we all have like multiple Thanksgivings we're going to do. Like you're, mm -hmm. you are doing it right by choosing a different, um, you know, theme. Yeah. Uh, but I think like, uh, we're already like doing, you know, this family and this family and this family. A know? lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of families, uh, the Star Wars family has gone through some changes of late. Uh, mostly good, it appears, but we'll we'll get our opinions on that in just a moment. Um, but uh, we do want to say happy Thanksgiving to our co-host, Lacey Gillerin, who is yes. home with the family, taking some time away from the pod. Uh, Baby's so, first Thanksgiving. Yeah, Arch, his first Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. uh, very cool. So, uh Hope all is well with uh, Lacey and to everybody else out there, of course, anyone listening, watching, uh, if you're listening to us on Thanksgiving morning, very cool, whether you're on your way to someone's house or you're getting ready and you're in the kitchen and TRB's on, either way, thank you very much for taking on this episode because we got a good one, James. We got some really cool news we're going to get into in just a moment and then also the back half of the episode, we're going to do a draft, but more of in the fun spirit, not as competitive, but we're yeah. going to draft the reasons why we're thankful for Star Wars. Now, we last year or year before, we did why we're thankful for Star Wars, but it was like everything. We, you know, George Lucas, all that stuff. This is what Star Wars has given us. So uh, 
Star Wars and beyond uh, and after. But it's going to be a good time doing that as well. So let's fire this thing up right now. We got the resistance report. It's it's hotter than it's ever been. <laughs> uh, maybe not it's ever true. been. But it's hotter than it's been in a long time. So let's get after it. All right. It's the resistance. All right. This this week, uh, you might have seen it even earlier this week. All of this news is very, very topical, very current. Um, but this particular story has to do with Daisy Ridley uh, and her interview with Collider, uh, where she was talking about being at celebration, walking out on stage, and in knowing what a little bit, because she says, I really do not know much about it, but she knows a little bit about the future upcoming movie. And she uh, she said a full sentence, but the headlines were half of that sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, the, the big headline is that the Star Wars movie that she's going to be in is not what she expected. She says, not what I expected. However, you look a little bit closer at the, the quote, that sentence finishes with, it's not what I expected, but I'm very excited. Right. So um, I think in the, the days of Ryan Johnson and uh, even Taika Waititi's recent comments, all this stuff about like what people want out of Star Wars, for somebody to come along and say, it's not what I expected, you know, period, is a little bit of a different story than it's not what I expected, but I'm very excited to do it, you well, know, full, is full a little bit of a different comment. When we first talked about this, when the news first dropped you seemed a little worried yeah so do you want to start with that or well i look i think that based on what she says uh, it's not what i expected but i'm very excited it's still a little worrisome to me because i think that she was a part of these three movies and she has an idea in her head of where that would go. Now she is different from fans, but she not being the writer, right. Or not being, you know, who's producing that piece of content that she's going to star in. She is sort of like a fan. She experienced the first three and then now there's another one coming. And if we are on the same page, her and us, then it is not what we think logically makes sense. Does that kind of make sense? What I'm saying? Hmm. Like she, if she's saying it's not what I expected, it still can be good. But I'm like, what did you, what did you expect? Because I bet what you expect is what we're thinking would be the case too. But I could be, I could be wrong on that. She could be way off. She had this idea that she was gonna blank and blank and do this thing, you know, or whatever. And it's like, no, that doesn't even that that wouldn't even work, you know. The yeah. logical next step for all fans, the wall, we all see it coming, except for you, Daisy. You know, uh, is this other thing? I'm, I still think it's there's a lot to be said about the fact that she says. Um, I saw it and it's not what I expected, but I am very excited. Mm-hmm. So where, where are you with that? Um, with her statements? Um, I actually am okay with that. Um, because I don't think people, she probably felt the same way about something like the last Jedi. And we know Mark Hamill certainly felt that way. 
Um, and I, I mean, that might make people nervous too. But when I think about it, everything I've been hearing about this new Ray movie and how she's rebuilding the Jedi Order and then what, what people are talking about, what they want to see in it, it, none of it really, I'll be honest, excited me. I was like, this feels very like low-hanging fruit, like like the most common story you can come up with is, you know, mm-hmm. okay, so raise a Jedi now. So what are we going to do? Oh, I know. We'll have her rebuild the Jedi Order. It's like... <sighs> so when I hear her say it's not what I expected, that actually gets me a little excited. It gets me mm-hmm. wondering, like, because really it it's untapped timeline for star wars they can do anything they want to do with this so i pair that excitement of oh well if she didn't expect it we have the um foundation of legacy here because i do think this movie will still have chewy falcon c3po or 2d2 bb8 stuff we're familiar with which will help get the general audiences in, still feel familiar, and then maybe do something weird. It doesn't necessarily necessarily mean that to take the character and twist her up and change her. It could be unexpected in terms of where she goes or a situation she's put in, not necessarily like all of a sudden Ray's going to be this wholly, totally different character. So I don't think that's, I, I think they have Ray established as a brand what kids are going to be expecting to see when they go to see this first movie. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to get that right. I don't think that's going to be the problem. So I'm not concerned there. Um, So I'm not worried about that. Actually, that made me more excited to hear that it's not what she expected. Now she hasn't read a script yet. So she read an outline, a paragraph of what they think they're going to be doing. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be more to it once she gets to read the script and all that. Um, I thought remember what she was saying. Do you remember all this about her being like at a party and JJ like, or, or Ryan or so I can't remember the details. Somebody like tells her what's going to happen. And she was like, so excited about it. And then like, it, none of that even happened. Cause it wasn't even that director or writer or something. Do you remember this? Um, I don't remember that. I mean, I vaguely remember that, but I don't remember enough of the details to, to compare yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off to go go on a, a short little tangent, but I was like, I just sometimes when I like it's this, like it's not what I expected, but I'm excited. I'm like, but we don't even know that this is the thing, <laughs> you know. There could be so many changes, so many different things that happen along the way. Um, um, yeah, I I think if it's a gist of what where they're going with the story, so it it seems to me she didn't read a script, she just got an idea of the story which mm-hmm. to me seems like it's a very general synopsis. So yeah, it's like an whatever, elevator pitch just to like throw so, it your way. So whatever she uh, wasn't expecting is something very broad and general. So the whole thing is probably something mm-hmm. she didn't have in her mind, which to me, again, excites me because everything she probably heard is what we heard, which is you know, rebuilding the Jedi Order, whatever Kathleen Kennedy said uh, Possibly, yeah. um, eight, eight, nine months ago. So the unexpected thing helps me as someone who felt that sounded bland. Um, now what the other part I find very interesting is she says she knows the storyline for one film. And she says, that's not to say that that's all it's going to be, but that's all I know about. Um, but she also said, I, she thinks this will be the next film, which is 
currently still slotted at May 2026. I think they could still meet that timeline because I think the the script is probably done um, by well, Stephen Knight, right? That's the guy. Uh, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, On that. And movie. then the other the other funny part is. I know people were saying they think she's been in the loop for a while, but I believe her when she says that she wasn't in the loop uh, until very close to celebration. And I think that's an idea that sort of got put together rather quickly for her. um, Cause she said, she told Steven Weintraub from Collider that when she saw him at Sundance, she didn't know that she was coming back. And that was January 19th to the 29th and celebration was less than three months after that. So I think a lot of that moves rather quickly and probably some of that had to do with the pressure from Disney saying like, you guys got to make some movies mm-hmm. and they're like, all right, let's bring her back in. So overall I like this. There's not a ton here in terms of like us really grasping what this movie's going to be, but I like the fact that there's going to be something in there that maybe we aren't expecting if she's not expecting it. And I also like the fact that, um, She's saying like she thinks it's going to be the next movie. So all these things uh, seem positive to me. And I just, I can't help but feel like this movie is definitely going to happen. Yeah, I I, I second that for sure. And, you know, I, I don't know. Is there an audio version of this that you came across? Like, is there a video audio where you can hear her say these lines? I don't believe so. I don't because think so either. I recently rewatched that uh, key... Key and Peel sketch. Do you know where the where one is texting the other? And Are you like serious? Really I saw cool that recently too. Yeah, yeah, it must have been just passed around. around. But yeah, he's like, he's like, I don't care, man. Whatever. And the guy's like, I don't care. Whatever. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> like it's just this thing. And I, I thought of that when I read the article or when I read the comments too, because I was like, there's a big difference between saying like. It's not what I expected, but I'm excited, you know, and something different where you're like, it's totally not what I expected, but I am so excited. You know, it's like there's just a different vibe. Um, And I would like to hear how it was said, too. Uh, Yeah. But if if that quote was just in a vacuum on its own, I'd be like, yeah, I see what you're saying there. But she peppers it with other positive things like the story is really cool, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that to me, like, sort of like what you're saying, it's sort of on its own. It sounds like a Mark Hamill Last Jedi quote. Like, it is not what I expected, but I'm excited to, for the movie to come out, you know? And it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. But I think you're right that she peppers all the stuff around it um, and sets it up as a generally positive thing. Um, but like I said, right at the very beginning, I think what you're going to see in the headlines is the, it's not what I expected and you're going to get a lot of people clicking on those articles to see why. Whoa, what? How are they yeah. messing up this whole thing again? You know? Oh, it's... I am so... I don't want to get too far on this tangent here, but I'm so beyond the point of like how things are getting twisted on social media and they then they find themselves into blog articles and... It's just not even true. It's just so tough to like to go through all that, and it's happening right now with the like the new Scream movie and what's going on with all that chaos. But um, back to this, the other the only other thing that I 
if if you don't think it's it's this is odd, let me know. But the only other thing I found a little strange is she mentions Kathleen Kennedy, but she doesn't once mention the director right. or the writer. Whereas she would mention JJ's name and even Ryan's name quite a bit when talking about the development of this stuff. So I just found it a little uncharacteristic that she doesn't mention the director once in this situation. Uh, not so much the writer, because I, I don't remember her ever saying like, well, Lawrence Kasdan said this or, you know, but she would always say, JJ, JJ, we're working with blah, blah, blah. But she doesn't make one mention of uh, Charmino Bidchinoy here. I'm not saying she's out by any means, but I just found that interesting. Yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't specify who told her this information either. So I don't know if it was Kathy or right. Charmaine, you know, yeah, uh, or Stephen, or anybody else, you know what I mean? That is just like, oh, we're so Josh glad to have Gad. you on board. You you know what's going on, right? And yeah, Josh Gad, that's a good one. Um, uh, like you know what's going on. She's like, no, tell me, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, you're gonna be doing this or whatever. And she's like, oh, that's uh, cool, you know. I've never that thought about awesome. it like that before. Yeah, I never thought about it like that before. Is exactly right. Um, well. We would like to probably move on to our next story here because we, uh, there was a big uh, article that came out um, about Dave Filoni uh, getting a new title and a new position at Lucasfilm, uh, specifically Chief Creative Officer. And, um, you know, initially it was, it was Variety uh, that did the report, um, or you can read mostly about it there. Um, but it's interesting because it seems like a move that uh, fans like. We like Dave Filoni. We like to see him be put in that position. And some people have floated the idea of taking over Kathleen Kennedy's position. But he, well, us here on the Resistance broadcast say that's not the position that needs to happen. It needs to be something more like this. And uh, chief creative officer, you know, I don't, I don't know how this stuff works out. I don't know if there was a chief creative officer before this. You know, it, yeah, it's kind of one of those things where like they just sort of make up names. And he even acknowledges that in the article. He says they're calling me chief creative officer. He de- he doesn't like buy into the like, hey, I'm I made general manager. Woo, you know, he's right. just like I just do my thing. Uh, and they call it something different now. Um, but what's cool about it is it allows me to get into these projects far before I ever got to see them before. I'm now at the beginning of every project um, w- uh, working its way through. And I can uh, now after so many years of working in multiple forms of Star Wars, I'm able to give them a little bit more information on what we want to accomplish more than just um, the basic lore and concepts and mythos of Star Wars. Um, so I think overall, like this is this is not a bad move, and this is good, and it kind of proves that Filoni's uh, sticking around for a long time. So what what are your thoughts on uh, the new CCO at Lucasfilm, Dave Filoni? Yeah, and and before Filoni, Carrie Beck too also promoted to essentially Correct, yes. be the replacement for Michelle Redwan. Mm-hmm. Um, because her title on the website says VP of Live Action Development and Production, which I think was exactly what Michelle Redwan's title was at the time. Um, and that's interesting because she, to this point, 
hadn't worked on any of the movies. Uh, and her first foray into live action producing was, I believe, Book of Boba Fett. So uh, a lot of faith in Carrie Beck, who has been there a long time. Uh, but I think that's good. You know, she's young. Um, it looks like they're setting up the building blocks for the future uh, generation or decades of Lucasfilm. And then, yeah, Filoni, uh, bigger title. He's now second or third in the on the executive order of command, it appears. Um, and yeah, it is a promotion. Um, I think it's... I think he's underplaying the importance he's going to have in a sense. I think he is going to be sort of a thumbs up, thumbs down kind of guy um, from the story and narrative point of view. And I could totally see him, you know, working with the conception ideas on these things uh, as filmmakers are brought in. And, you know, Carrie Beck's going to be the one in charge of bringing in filmmakers to work on these Star Wars movies. But uh, I liked his quote about saying, you know, to truly help the filmmakers, it's important for me to experience it firsthand. I can also lend a perspective on the challenges that telling these stories present. I feel more capable of being able to help outside of just saying Jedi are like this and Sith are like this, which is essentially what like I think Pablo Hidalgo does uh, more so, like making sure the story makes sense with the lore, like you were saying. Now he's a bigger picture in terms of we are developing stories and major motion pictures and we need to make sure that works for that medium. And so it's more responsibility Honest, without a doubt for him. Honestly, when you said, when you brought up Pablo Dago, my understanding of what his position is, and we don't know, by the way, so this is your understanding, my understanding, just guesses basically. My thought is that he's a little bit more about the continuity and just to simply well, say like, um, Oh, it, it's a Wednesday, so they would be wearing pink. Well, and it's not so much about like the the way people act or their personalities or any sort of like bigger decisions on the way the franchise should go, anything along those lines. It's just literally like that line doesn't make sense, or they wouldn't go to that planet; they would go to this planet. You know what I mean? Perhaps. I mean, his job title on the live action shows is like lore consultant. That well, I think so. that's. I think that's what that is. Yeah. Well, that's that, how I, I think, take that. And I think that fits in with the quote Filoni was saying, like, I don't just do this, you know, but mm -hmm. this is a big deal because he is going to have a, an immense amount of power. Um, it's definitely good from the optic optics perspective of, yes, he was the understudy for George Lucas. Um, and he holds that, he takes that responsibility very seriously. And he's very um, outward about that and candid about that. So I think that is a very good thing. Um, but time will tell uh, on, on how great this works. Um, but a surface, surface, uh, surface level without knowing exactly how things are going to roll, it's, uh, it's a, seems like a great PR move. It seems like a good move um, just from a logistic perspective as opposed to just bringing in an outsider. Uh, so it just seems to make sense. It just maybe happened a bit quicker than I thought it was going to happen. Because mm -hmm. yep. we had done an episode in August or September about is Dave Filoni going to be the heir to the Lucasfilm Empire? Uh, <laughs> and the, the, the title was tongue in cheek, but we, we did sort of say, I believe, that like we can see there being a new executive and him being a head of creative. And now he is. Yeah, I mean, again, like, okay, 
I look at this list of people on their uh, leadership page, There's and I'm lot. like, I know four people, maybe. <laughs> you yeah. know, if like it's probably a little bit more, like maybe Robert Doe, John Knoll, uh, Doug Chang. Yeah, but like you look at that list, and like Doug Chang's like on the third row down. Uh, right. John Knoll's like on the eighth row down. You know, yeah. and it's like you're looking at this list of people, and like Linwen Brennan. Literally, like side by side next to Kathleen Kennedy, she is the executive vice president and general manager of Lucasfilm. What, where, where is she? What is she doing? What, what's yeah. going on? How does that person exist? And we know more from like people below her, specifically Dave Filoni. And I understand because he's the director and he's work, you know, we've like kind of worked up with him because he's been more in the public light. A lot of these people are behind the scenes, but it really like I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, uh, all right, John Knoll, executive creative director. Okay. Uh, Dave Filoni, executive vice president, chief creative officer like i wouldn't even be able to tell you like if one's higher or lower i assume they're higher because they're closer to the top but it's like some of these names like director versus um officer you know i'm like i, I don't know like well is that my not understanding how that stuff works just in public or is this another one of those things where like what was it elon a couple years ago he's like all these titles are just made up like people do their jobs but they just make up titles so that people can get paid less or more yeah and i think there's branches to it like obviously john Knowles' involvement is heavily with ilm and via and the visual effects and mm -hmm. the same with you know rob Bordeaux, who is essentially the Dave, uh, Dave Filoni of ILM now, uh, or I should say Dave Filoni is the Robert Doe of Lucasfilm now because Robert Doe's title is chief creative officer for ILM, as well as being uh, a senior VP. I mean, there's a ton of people on this executive board. I just think that that's how things roll these days. That's what I'm saying. But, I see senior, you, senior vice president from like 20 of them. But all you need to know is you scroll to the top of the page and Filoni's up there now. So he he's been up there, hasn't he? But now, but now he's he's the second in command <laughs> under All right. Kathleen Kennedy, and he's the, he's at the head of the creative decisions overall. So it's a big deal, man. It's going to be his show, and uh, you know Kathleen Kennedy is going to lean heavily on him, and he's going to have a, a, a immense amount of influence on. Um, on all of that. And I think it's a good thing. You know, I think it's a good thing. I think he will have a good working. He obviously has a good working relationship with Carrie Beck with rebels. They've been together for over 10 years now. Uh, I think they will coexist in a very good way of knowing the right directors and writers to bring in for the future movies. And that's my focus is the movies because everything else like feeds and lives and breathes off of the value and success of the movies from a creative standpoint and also of course a financial standpoint mm -hmm. so if they get lined up and get the right people in to to write and make these movies the shows will be able to essentially make themselves not literally but you'll be able to farm pretty cool ideas from that for disney plus so my focus is all on the movies and i think with those two working so well together in the past and Filoni knowing just having the he has the the intangibles I guess he knows Star Wars in a way that can't be quantified and I think him having his finger on the pulse of knowing which person to pull the trigger on to bring in and which not which um which person not to bring in 
in coinciding with Kerry Beck, I think is something they've needed for a long time. Because we've talked about in the podcast, it seems like what they had been doing was ear to the ground on social media, who's popular now, who's hot right now, let's bring him in. Taika Waititi, Patty Jenkins, you know, uh, we go down the list. We've we've had that we've we've had that point made mm-hmm. for a very long time. I think that is something they've solely needed, and I think the two of them together will be able to maybe at least alleviate a lot of the problems they've had with the revolving door of people coming in and out. Yep i i um I still stand a little bit. I'd like to know more about some of these positions at Lucasfilm. It confuses me sometimes. Like, it, obviously, we've talked heads or tails over the uh, um, story group, which probably doesn't even exist anymore. No, but uh, yeah, well, yeah, that exists anymore. But it, it's one of these. It's one of these <laughs> things where, like, I just wish I kind of had a, a better understanding of what these positions do. And if anybody knows, like, hey, hit me up and kind of explain some of those things. Um, but it's just like, I, like I want, I want to hear that Dave Filoni's at the top and he can tell people what to do. But in his statement, he's like, I'm not telling people what to do. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So it's like, I you know, I'm well, just trying to understand it because it feels like you're I, now in the position to be able to tell people how to do it, you know, but he, he follows that up by saying, but I do feel like I'm trying to help them tell the best story. So he's just being polite about where his position, I think, but yeah, like um, if, if James Mangle rolls in to make his movie, Dave Filoni's not going to be like, no, you, you can't do that. That, that scene there, you can't, you can't film that scene or whatever. Like that's not going to, that's not, that's not going to happen. James Mangle's going to be able to make the movie he wants to make. Maybe when it comes down to who is saying that, who's saying what, who's saying no to James Mangle. Oh, Kathleen that's Kennedy. definitely been going on for a long time. Kathleen Kennedy. We we know for a fact that she made decisions down yeah. to like music decisions for TV shows. Yeah. So, um, and and that's you know, that's the producer in her, I guess. You know that that's there mm-hmm. that, and that that works. But um, I think Filoni's just going to be there to help them push the right buttons, make the right decisions on what stories they are telling and how they're telling them. And I I, yeah. I really think it's uh, it's a good thing, and I hope I hope it is. I hope it turns out to be. Well, let's move on to the Vanity Fair article because oh. the Vanity Fair article not only talks a little bit about that and Dave Filoni's new position, but it also covers a lot of the stuff that we were not able to get during the writer's strike and everything else. Yeah, right. So it's, it's a lot of information about the, the, the Ahsoka television series. It was like, what was it like for Dave and these actors? What was the point of bringing these characters back? What was the motivation? What is it like having moved up from animated shows into live action? It was a lots and lots of details. They were all really cool quotes from Rosario, quotes from Hayden, like very fun read. Definitely go check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think um, was a standout for you in this article? Um. I have a few takeaways for sure. Um, I don't want to list them all because I don't want to take anything that you had in mind. So I'll just start with one. I've got three. Yeah, I have three. One is that um, obviously the future of Balin Skull. Yep. um, You know, his quote about it saying, obviously there's a story there. We're in a wait and see pattern at this point. So to me, that means once if we get a green light on Ahsoka 2, 
then we have to do the unfortunate thing of recasting him. That's what that says to me. So I, I think if there is an Ahsoka 2, they carry on with this, we will have someone else playing Balin Skull. I think if you read through read through uh, between the lines on that, I think that's what that means. Um, and then uh, the I loved what he said about the Anakin thing because that was, I think, the thing from Ahsoka that people were speculating the most on is like, what was Anakin really there? Was it really him? Was it a vision of mm-hmm. hers? Was it this? And he's, I love how simplistically he put it. He's like, this is how I always saw Force Ghosts. They're there as, uh, like consciousness. What, what did he no, say? No, he he said they are there as con. No, he said I debate Force Ghosts with people all the time. To me, <laughs> and this is his quote: "To yeah. me, what they are mainly is inspiration." You have people in your life that I'm sure have inspired you and you feel that all the time. You feel that when you need it. So essentially what he's saying is it was Anakin. He was there and he was there to help Ahsoka find her, find her path without necessarily handing it to her. Um, And I love that because then he, you know, we speculated on like, because he was showing the dark and the light and stuff like that. Um, it was all a way of Anakin helping Ahsoka find her true path and coming to terms with Anakin's past. But then at the he brought up the end too, which I liked a lot. Uh, and he said, of course, he's there with her. Uh, he's always been there with her, but she couldn't see it. She couldn't feel it. She didn't know. And she had isolated herself and made herself alone because she was afraid. And I, I sort of like that he's saying she, he was he's proud of her at the end. So that whole thing about you know, Anakin popping up at the end was very much in the spirit of Return of the Jedi when Yoda, Obi-Wan, and Anakin show up sort of like to let Luke know, like, you know, you can rest easy now. You did the right thing. Everything's all good. And that was Anakin's moment with Ahsoka there. So that answers a lot of questions. It probably isn't like the sexiest answer where people are looking for more like crazy twist turns and nuance, but I like that it's simple because I don't think Force Ghost should be much more than that. And I also like the fact that he's like, George already told Anakin's story. We're not here to expand upon that beyond Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just stuff of Anakin being there as an inspiration for his... Um, How he relates to Ahsoka. Right. It's not yeah. like, oh, I didn't... There's more to Anakin's story. Now we're going to go watch this stuff to find out what else happens with him. No. He's just there as an inspiration, like Floney said. So I, I loved all that. What? What? Yeah. Uh, how about some of your takeaways? Well, I'll say this: like Filoni does a really good job. He's done it so many times over the years. He he like takes elements that we already understand. You know, we know pen, right? We understand paper, right? But sometimes he just says a phrase, and he's like, "Yeah, you take the pen and you you." you use it to write on the paper. And it's like, I already knew both of those things, but the way you worded it makes me re-understand the whole situation very well. Or just the affirmation of like, that's all. So it's just that linear. Cool. Like awesome. You know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I love all of his quotes about that stuff. Um, there was one particular Hayden quote that was like my big takeaway from the whole thing. I should have been pulling it up as, as I was sitting here, but, um, yeah, it was this quote from Hayden here that was like the thing that stuck out to me. I reread it and it like, it didn't, but it, you know, sort of figuratively gave me the chills, but it was this understanding of Hayden's 
uh, approach to the character this time around, which was, he says, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, I was getting to play a version of the character that I hadn't before. And that was the all knowing, all powerful Jedi master who could wield both sides of the force mm-hmm. and similar light and dark. So similar to what I was saying with Filoni, like, yeah, I know that, but like the way Hayden is, is spelling it out here of like, yeah, that was our approach to it. It was like this, it was like, hey, you are finally getting to become, you're getting to play Anakin, the chosen one, the one that can show the dark and show the light and, and you know, balance that out. Um, he says he can do it at will uh, and maybe has the power to save Ahsoka's life, which is also very interesting because that's the power that he was trying to achieve when he pledged himself to the dark side. <laughs> that's good. And it's so, it's so amazing how like we all saw in the show that he, she's falling, she doesn't die, but like to put that together, that like Hayden's intervention at that moment is saving someone from death. You know, it's like the thing that Palpatine said, "I can get you to that point." It's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Um, but so. I think the difference is like Anakin wasn't obsessed with the idea of saving Ahsoka for a long time. It was something that just happened to her and he happened to be there to help her. It was like an instinctual thing post-mortem, of course, Mm -hmm. whereas like his whole thing about Padme was just like this obsession, you know, with these nightmares and, and, and wanting to prevent his visions from happening because his mom died. So Definitely different, but I like the parallel for sure. Yeah, it it seems to me like like at one point he was overthinking something, and he's and somebody like being like, "Stop overthinking it, do other stuff." And when the moment comes up, your natural talent will just be like all you need. But you've yeah. been sitting like stewing on it for so long, it's like you just need to let things go and just approach it from the chosen one, the, the wield both sides of the force, light and dark that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I just thought that was like the most amazing thing. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about, um, I thought you would probably want to discuss the other universe, like the other galaxy. galaxy. Yeah. 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 Um, I, it, it was kind of said that, uh, that it was going to be a broader part of the storytelling from this point forward. And I wanted to see if your approach was what we had kind of discussed before. Is this an important part of the storytelling in Ahsoka season two, or is it a broader part of the storytelling in all star Wars that now this we've opened the door and we have a whole new playground that all shows, all movies, all content can play in. Yeah, it's interesting that he said he found the opening or opportunity to do this because of the star map in Attack of the Clones. Yeah. And I had always joked that it's because of the announcer in The Phantom Menace saying, I don't care what universe you're from, that's got to hurt. But yeah, I don't know if, do you think this pairs with what he said about him wanting to build his conflict to not mirror like the past ones? Because he said, he said, expect this broader universe to be a factor in any future. Oh, this is what the article said. Expect this broader universe to be a factor in any future season of Ahsoka 
or that feature film he's developing. And his quote is, I'm setting up what seems to be a larger conflict with the Imperial Remnant. That conflict can't just mirror what we've seen before. It has to take on a different shape. It can't just be the Empire versus what looks like the Rebellion or even the Republic. It has to be visually different. So to me, that says to me, he's going to play with that other galaxy and it's going to factor into how this war that he's telling that's building up to his movie that will be completed in his movie is going to be told. So I think that second galaxy was just tapped into and I think there's going to be more to it. I don't know if that's with the Mortis stuff, if that's like a gateway to Mortis. I don't know, but it sounds like he's going to keep that at least in his pocket because he there's clear, clear concern here that he doesn't want fans feeling like they're getting another X-Wings over here, TIE Fighters over here, Mishmash, a lightsaber on this side, you know. Uh, so I think he's very cognizant of the fact that he wants to do something unique here. Um, and maybe that other galaxy, at least existing, gives him a variable to add into his stew. <laughs> it does. So seeing his movie as the culmination of, you know, all of these shows, it does make me feel like there's maybe like an, an end game esque uh, element to it where throughout the journey, we've discovered more about that universe and we've discovered that there are people there and those people are different and they understand things differently and their ships look different. And that is not the resistance. It's not the rebels. It's not the uh, new Republic. It's this other entity that represents the good guys, the light side or whatever. And then you have the, these, you know, the empire and Thrawn and everything like that, but they aren't the empire, the empire fell, but they're not the first order because the first order is not around yet. They're this other thing that he's developing into this thing that is the remnants. He calls them remnants of the empire. So it's like, what could that look like? Well, they can all wear blue uniforms, you know what I mean? Or they've got, they, you know, cause they're, they fight with Thrawn or they could, um, uh, they could be, um, they could have some t- type of the uh, sisters of Dathomir magic involved. You know what I mean? That could be sure. part of that evil that's that's coming forth and, and use those as like a sort of a stand in for Palpatine where it's like, yeah, we're fighting the ships, the troopers, the bad guys. But also there's this otherworldly force dark element to their battle that is a stand in sort of for Palpatine and the dark side and Vader. Right. Um, and I think I think like what he's describing um, now, granted, you said it, it's also sort of the um, well, yeah, no, this was this was specifically Dave that said the the he needs to refocus or it and make it look different. Yeah, um, I think that's what makes sense to me. So I think at least for this aspect of it's not just Ahsoka season two, but also uh, probably like the Mandalorian and the other stuff that they do in that world leading up to that movie, that might actually, you might be right on that, that this other galaxy could be a part of that um, space, (laughs) that's a bad term, uh, space of which is part of star wars does that make sense but not so much with episode 10 or you know other stories that they tell like in the high republic or something like how is that going to connect to this these other things and stuff i i don't really know i i still kind of stand on and he says it in the article too like part of the reason that that even exists is just because i knew i couldn't put thrawn and ezra right 
in the unknown regions even like, like they would have been if, found by a, a passing ship or yeah 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 somebody would have come across they would have hijacked those people they would have used the ship to get out of the area that they're in it's really not that big of a deal we had to take them to a place where it was far and i was like yes that's confirming what i said this other galaxy is only there to to uh solve a problem and then once we get went there and came back which we're still there technically um, that will be done. But further comments now, new information has come to light. <laughs> he does sort of say that that galaxy and the lore there and the, the painting of the picture of a different new light side good guy team, it, that galaxy might also be part of that story. I, so I still, that's it. I'm I interested. Still think, I still think it would have been really cool if like for whatever reason that the, the force did not live in that galaxy. And that adds like, another variable to like well we can bring ezra over there but he he'll be like superman on krypton oh oh yeah you know he like tries to do something and doesn't work he's like oh no you know but But clearly they clearly it does work over there because uh he used it quite a bit as did ahsoka what i think could be interesting is they did a book um where luke skywalker was sort of going around and and talking to different people. And he had met other groups of people that understood what the force was, but they called it something different and they utilized it differently. Mm -hmm. And I could see Filoni doing something like that. where like, okay, yeah, they're still able to use the force because the force is what it is. But in that galaxy, they don't call it the force. You know, they they call call it something bungo. Yeah. And they use the ungo bungo. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, in a, in a method that we maybe had never seen before. And that opens up like every time we get like episode nine and, and JJ does new things with the force. It's like, it, it, that all could be pretty cool. You know, use the Pungo Bungo loop. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, anything else that you wanted to say about the article? Um, we did. No. We, we kind of skipped over Sabine Wren. I felt like everything that was said in her section was just like we kind of know this stuff. I agree. I agree. I agree. That's not to you know dismiss anything that Natasha no. Lubordizzo said, but yeah, I, yeah, it I was agree. great. Most, we just all we'd heard it before. Yeah, know? most of the other stuff felt like um, yeah, we had knew it. So yeah, I think we're good there. Um, and look forward to uh, to what's ahead. I'm sure there's gonna be plenty more interviews and more clips and quotes and stuff now that these promotions are in line and. It appears they're now with the strikes being over, steering towards pre-production on these movies. So I think 2024, things are going to start heating up quite a bit. Yep. All right. Well, looking forward to what's next. It is this draft. We're still calling it a discussion. So expect to see the discussion logo, but uh, we're getting ready to do the next section. That's it for Resistance Report. Here we go. Obi-Wan once thought as you do. All right. So uh, we have the Kessel Run, which is more of a collective thing that we do. Uh, But we have uh, done drafts in the past. Years and years and years ago, we did one for a uh, March Madness pool back in 2018, I think. Um, But not too long ago, we did another draft uh, where we did the best moments in Rebels. Uh, and now we're doing another draft, but it's not going to be as competitive, so to speak, because it's all about being thankful for Star Wars. So what we're going to do here is, James, do you have a coin handy? So we can flip a coin and see who goes first, at least. Um, yes, I could do something. Okay. Got one. All right. Um, so 
uh, what we're going to do here is <laughs> give our 10 picks for uh, what we're thankful for most about Star Wars. And uh, we'll take turns and we may snipe someone's pick here and there, but it's all the, the theme of this draft is more of uh, a celebration of being thankful for this franchise and what it has provided us with uh, as fans and of course as podcasters and, uh, and down, all down the line. So uh, James, what are we doing? Should I call it in the air? Is he flipping or, or what? Um, how about I call it in the air? Cause I know when it's in the air and it, there might be like a lag or techn- technological. All right. All right. Ready? Well, let me, let me see the coin first. It's not a coin. It's just something with two sides. Oh. Oh, it's God. a PSP battery. You got your matte black side and you got your information side. All right. Head side being the like top and then the details. Tails is the white. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to go like this. I'm going to say heads. I'm looking at you, not looking at the thing. It's tails. Oh, all right. All right. We would have had some controversy if that landed. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right. So let's get into this draft. Let's do it up. And we're going to do it with my first pick. So things I'm thankful for for Star Wars. So just to be clear, we can't say like George Lucas because George Lucas preceded Star Wars. He made Star Wars. Uh, We can't say Harrison Ford because Harrison Ford was in movies before Star Wars. It's our focus should be on things that Star Wars gave us organically in a sense. Um, and there's no science to this. We could probably bend some rules here, but, um, some answers may be on the surface. Some answers may be a little nuanced and deep. I was going to say, let's just, uh, yeah. Cause some of mine might, I don't know, but I'm nervous I, about, this is one of the ones that I'm nervous about. I'm like, I'm not sure entirely what the page is here, but we're going to go with it. I, I'm going to say my first pick is, um, revolutionizing visual effects. That's my first pick. Um, I mean, right off the heels of, you know, last year's Light and Magic, just truly understanding how George Lucas and ILM for Star Wars changed the entire game. And when people saw that movie in 1977, their minds were blown for good reason because they had never seen anything like it, even though there had been science fiction before, there's been action before. The way they executed the effects for the first Star Wars and what that led to thereafter all through today um, is all thanks to Star Wars. So I, my first pick is the visual effects revolution that was dawned by the production of Star Wars. Man, I'm so nervous about this draft that we're just, we even talked about it beforehand. I'm like, are we on the same page? (laughs) But I, I, yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that we've definitely discussed over the years is how, fortunate it is that star wars started like that and how unfortunate it is that in later years um we haven't gotten as much of it when it comes to specifically the movies where we are seeing it is in say like mandalorian and it's like oh wow that's like new technology and it's really cool to see hollywood adapt to what the mandalorian is doing you know um because you're seeing it everywhere now um in commercials and, and, and just like, mm-hmm. like stuff that I do even like at work, I'm like, okay, yeah, what we need to do is we need to figure out how the camera interacts with this screen that's here and not just like edit it out or, you know, green screen replace or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that type of 
thing was something that, uh, as a videographer myself, like years ago, would like conceptualize the con. You know, the I I think of that and be like, that's where it's going to be in the future. And it took Star Wars to get us there. Out of yeah. all the, I mean, I'm not the only one thinking that. It was so many other filmmakers, and they just said like, yeah, the technology doesn't exist, but it was Star Wars that got us to that point. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think what if if I'm on the same page with you here, it's like it's I'm glad that Star Wars and the people who are making Star Wars are still trying to push that envelope, and and, it, and the fact that it and, always has pushed the envelope is and, and good yeah, for, it, for us. In order for him to tell that story of Star Wars, he needed to do something that hadn't been done for, before with special effects and. They had to start from scratch and build things they had never done before. And that led to a lot of other movies being made with very cool special effects. So we definitely have Star Wars to thank for the uh, revolution and just next level of uh, special slash visual effects. So uh, that's my first pick. Uh, definitely probably a little bit more of, uh, of the deeper nuanced variety, but I got some pretty straightforward ones also on my list. So worry not. <laughs> uh, but James, what is, what's your first pick? Um, all right. Well, I will go with, um, let's go with something kind of similar. Um, behind the scenes. I oh, like documentation, documenting behind the scenes. Anytime we get, we just did the, the news story. I love it when we get, this is how the structure of Lucasfilm works. You know, mm-hmm. I love it when the people who are creating star Wars tell us, how it works. Um, yes. That could be in the form of a documentary, like ILM uh, or Light Magic, I mean. Um, it could be in the form of interviews. It could be in the form of uh, books that are referencing all the history and all that. I'm like, it's it's one of those things I know that, I know that movies do that. Uh, but not all movies get the opportunity to do that. They're not doing this stuff for Marvel. There is some behind the scenes stuff, but like when you look at the books and when you look at like these like these almost feature films of like um, the director and the Jedi, you know what I mean? And it's like I don't feel like that's coming out of Thor Ragnarok. You know, <laughs> it's just right. like there's something different about when people are working on the project. They are excited to be there. They're excited to show the world how they did it. And they're fairly open um, with a lot of the stuff that they do. And we were just talking about the the volume and the special effects. And it's like that, just them talking about it more and more and us like getting the mystery of like, oh, it's this thing called the volume. We're like, what is that? And then they eventually show us and we got the Disney galleries and stuff. It's like, and then just to be able to hear Filoni and, and Hayden Christensen sit down and say, like, mm-hmm. this is our approach to the characters and stuff. I think that's something that doesn't – it needs to be done to some degree. But I think that Star Wars does a good job of understanding the fan base and how it's these things that also carry them into mm-hmm. a long-term fandom. I, I completely agree. I mean, I I love behind the scenes stuff. I eat it up as soon as that stuff comes Lacey out. I, I watch it all. Yeah, 
definitely. Um, I mean, just think about it. They made a six hour series just on visual effects last year. Uh, you know, Empire of Dreams, the Phantom Menace, making them for the Phantom Menace is incredible. Uh, the one they did for episode nine and episode eight. Is that um, Skywalker Legacy? Yes. That was called for, for episode nine. I believe that's what it was. Skywalker Legacy, of which I, you know, that was very good too. Empire of Dreams. I think I mentioned it's a ton and it's all great. And it's also preserving history. Like the way we say about, you know, the JW Rinsler books or like what, you know, yeah. Clayton Sandell's working on now for Return of the Jedi. It's uh, all good stuff because as further and further, uh, time goes and as generations, you know, pass on and, you know, a lot of that information could get lost in that, that big old game of telephone. And the fact that we have these things to preserve that history and the facts is very important uh, and very special. And Star Wars definitely did that bigger than, and better than anyone. So that's a, that's a really good pick. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going more straightforward on my, on my second pick lightsabers. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, lightsabers are just really cool and i if i try to picture star wars without lightsabers and they say they were just using swords or not anything at all of that nature i it, i don't think i don't even know that it lasts the way it did i think lightsabers really like blew people away because it's like they'd seen fencing and sword fights and all these swashbuckling movies before but this laser sword thing like i think it's just this very special thing uh and it's just a lot of fun of like it's things that like adults still love to see kids love them. It's you know, you see those group photos at celebrations or at galaxy's edge and what are people holding up lightsabers? It's just, it's a unifying thing. It's very cool because they don't exist in real life, but we want them to so badly mm-hmm. uh, as dangerous as they might be, but just lightsabers, man, I am very thankful for star Wars to have lightsabers because there's a lot of fun. They're very cool. And they make the movies that much better. I think what is, there's quite a a number of things and there might be other things on your list too, but like that have pushed the, the, the entire franchise just because of that one thing existing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think lightsabers is probably like top 10 of things that like, when you say like, Name something that's Star Wars related or name something, you know what I mean? And it's just like you say lightsaber and it's like this weapon that exists, but that everybody knows what it is, but it only is in Star Wars. And anytime it's ever showed up in anything else, it's just a a, a, like a, a, a copy of. Mm-hmm. Star Wars like we we're pretty confident that that only is there because of Star Wars now he didn't George didn't invent the the light sword but for whatever he did he like he chick-fil-a it you know like we, we didn't invent the well, chicken were there, were there light we just invented the chicken sandwich before Star Wars no well I'm sure like laser swords like in comics or something along these lines of like mm. some type of weaponry that's sort of like an imaginary blade or some type of light blade or something I don't think he got that like Flash Gordon stuff I can't I can't really say for certain I'm not like I just figured to he the took dunk. like Kurosawa samurai stuff and he's like how do I make that spacey and like sci-fi and he's like let's make I, it a laser instead of a blade but the but what i'm saying is like i like think of how many other thing like blasters 
Like he also did the same thing with guns. Like he took the idea of a gun and he made it spacey, but it didn't, but that doesn't carry over. What I'm saying about lightsabers, I think that there's something very inherently special about the fact that it, it succeeded so well um, that it has like set the precedent of like laser swords. That's only Star Wars, but like yeah. laser blaster, laser gun, you can see that anywhere. You can see that in so many other properties, and you're not oh, yeah. like, well, they're you just stealing out, that from Star Wars. You put out your laser sword, yeah, and people are gonna be like, that's a, such a ripoff. Yeah, you don't even uh, think about it with with other weapons or ships or other things like that. For the most mm-hmm. part, like just space travel in general, or like a Tie Fighter, it like floats above the ground, at like a, like a Harrier jet or something, it like takes off. Like we see that in in science fiction, but like the lightsaber is like you pull it out and it's like immediately like, Oh, that's a lightsaber. I don't care what they're calling it in this series. <laughs> you know, that's what that is. It's comes yeah. from star Wars, you know, it's set. The um, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And, and it's just, they're just so cool. Not, you know, to, to give the like very vapid answer. It's just, they're mm-hmm. a lot of fun and they're very cool and they sound awesome. And, and the colors, the hilts, everything. Um, all right, James, what's, uh, what's your second pick? So a, a couple of these are things that I think like on the surface, when I say them, you might go like, yeah, but it's one of those things where like, I think we talk about this stuff pretty often and we talk so much about star Wars that it gets to a point where we talk about the negative things often too. But when you get down to the root of it, we need to be thankful and glad that we have things like expanded lore. Um, I, I'm using that as mine. I have always really liked that, uh, that it was able to, to move beyond. So like you take something like Harry Potter, Harry Potter does have expanded lore, but really when it comes down to it, it's like, it's like these, these books or the, the, you know, these things. And then like, that's it. But star Wars has always really embraced that. It's like, Oh, we got all these side stories, all these other characters. It goes deeper, deeper. We got these comics, we got these things. Um, even when it comes down to like videos that they're putting out on, uh, YouTube and, you know, and YouTube kids and things like that, we have <laughs> young Jedi adventures on Disney plus, And it's, yeah. it's, um, it's like some of the stuff is things that we're like, Oh, we may or may not take that in, or we don't like how they're handling X or Y. But what I'm getting at the core is we need to remember that like that stuff doesn't have to exist. Like they could just be like, those are the movies and, you know, that is what it is. Like, for instance, we don't really get this with Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones has always been a franchise that's been based on, we have these movies and their tent poles, and then every once in a while they might do something fun or maybe a side thing, but it's, <laughs> there is no like Indiana Jones expanded universe, you know? It's like, right. um, even when it comes to that stuff, but the new stuff specifically, um, it's just really cool that they are willing to dive deeper into that stuff. So what what would you say like supplemental? Content? Oh, I say expanded lore. Expanded that's, lore. That's okay. What I wrote down, I say, yeah, you, you take, you take the lore of the movies, but then I, I'm really glad that they are willing to put out this comic series that has almost nothing to do with. It just fits into that universe. And, you know, they, they do, um, they do connect it, you know, but it's it's really about um, just the fact that they're willing to tell more stories and not um, and do it well, you know. 
Yeah, I I agree. Um, they do do it well, and I like the fact that there are a lot of different mediums in which you can take in these stories and also fill in gaps in ways that a lot of people would say like, you know, like the Clone Wars is a great example for helping people appreciate the prequels more or that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And you're, you're right. You don't see that a lot with other, uh, with all IPs and Star Wars uh, certainly does a great job of that. And you could argue that um, they're one of the, the pioneers of really stretching out their yeah. IP a bit. It's almost- it's almost like George was like, he made the prequels and people didn't understand it. And he's like, well, I'm going to find the people that did understand it. And we're just going to keep making more stuff until you understand it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, that's a good pick. I like that. Um, all right. So my next one, my third pick, I'm going with uh, humanizing science fiction. Um, you know, I, I was trying to cheat in Google when the... Uh, guardians of the galaxy were like invented but it's like i i imagine it was after star wars right they weren't like a thing in the 1960s right i was very surprised when my father-in-law told me that he had known about the guardians of the galaxy he grew he was reading their comics when he was younger um mm-hmm. now granted i don't know if that predates 1977 but um so there's I, I see a comic. It says 1969, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, but I don't think it doesn't appear to be like the current iteration that we're used to seeing. And I guess what I'm getting to is, like, there was Star Trek before Star Wars, sure, but even Star Trek was based on the science of what they were doing, and it wasn't so much about the relationships between the characters. Now. I think Star Trek took a page out of Star Wars' book, and in the Star Wars, Star Trek movies, they started doing that a bit more. But you can't compare it to Star Wars when it comes to the relationships, and that that was first for George, and the science uh, fiction and space stuff was the backdrop and the, the environment. And since yeah. Star Wars came out with the humor which you never saw in science fiction really before Star Wars. Like Star Wars is funny, very funny. And all that comes with that, the sass, the the very earthy-like characters dropped into the middle of this wild, weird science fiction environment. You then see a lot of like things that were inspired by that, uh, including stuff like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Like you could blueprint that whole crew. And even Star Wars itself... Uh, borrowing from itself with like rebels and like fitting yeah. certain archetypes. And I think I think you're a little bit giving Guardians too much credit. Like Guardians was even if it predated, it was nowhere near as popular or successful. Even right. when they were said they were making the movie, people were like, "What? What is that?" You know, I did too, and I love. Yeah, it. everybody did. Pretty yeah. Much. So Except and there's other examples <laughs> of uh, of sci-fi space type stuff that uh, now understands it's okay to not be so uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is very dry, very uh, just dystopian and like not hopeful. Uh, mm-hmm. And Star Wars turned that on its head. And uh, I think it opened the door to make science fiction more accessible to different types of storytelling. Uh, so I'm going with the humanizing of uh, science fiction. Yep. I definitely like that. Um, and I, I like when your picks are more like mine and they're a little bit wild. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm like, lightsabers! And I'm like, the humanizing of science fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I have an easy one, and I was like really trying not to say it in my last one. It's right, so, so this connected. This is your third pick. This is your third yeah. pick. Yeah. My third pick is continuity. Oh. I, I very, I have said this like from the very beginning. I love that they have the comic books and stuff, but when I, before Disney bought Lucasfilm and I tried getting into Star Wars, yes, there was a lot of content. So yes, part of it was I felt like there was too much. But one really big aspect of it was I just couldn't grasp how like this story had things that were accurate and this and but also things that weren't accurate. And it's like, okay, but so then that puts it into this like other tier and and subcategory part A, you know, like all of it was so confusing. Um, And and while I understand the idea that like. I could be arguing right now. It's like, oh, it's so great that none of that stuff matters. If you want to tell a story about Boba Fett being like this, tell the story about Boba Fett being like that. You know, that's Mm -hmm. it. But to me, personally, I do love that it all all works. Um, I find that stuff... uh, immensely attractive you know after after the fact to go through and watch the youtube videos go through and and break down the easter eggs and the continuity and the references and when a character shows up i'm not just like okay like okay for instance thrawn shows up and there's it's sort of thrawn but they've sort of changed thrawn a little bit you know here and there whatever i don't want to have to feel that way every single time he's in anything you know, yeah. he's in he's in Rebels. Now that he's in live action, he's got a completely different background story, yeah, origin yeah. story or whatever. Yeah. It's like I don't want to even mess with that stuff. I'm so glad that when he shows up in um, Ahsoka, I go, I know Thrawn. That's him. I know everything about him. I've read the books. I've watched the show. I love that Lucasfilm still to this day and they may break away from it sometime soon. And they've been doing it a long time. That at some point they may break away from it, but I'm glad that today they still hold on to the continuity and it makes sense for people that pick up something. They can understand where and how it takes place. I actually think like in thinking about this and hearing you talk about it, I actually think this probably could have been higher on the lists because I think that continuity and what I affiliate with continuity is the preservation of the suspension of disbelief, like making your stories real. And I think Luke, that's one of the things Lucasfilm does best is that is Luke Skywalker. Like that is, you know, he did that 10 years ago in that other story and they're talking about it right now. And the overlaps and a lot of cool stuff they do and, and how they keep it connected is very good. Now, Marvel did a great job with it with the Infinity Saga. I'm not here to, th- we're not here to say Star Wars, you know, necessarily did it best, but they did it so well and it's been around for so long that we're, we're thankful for that. So, and other franchises do this, but again, let, let's just set Marvel aside for just one quick second. Star Wars does it better than all of them. Mm-hmm. Marvel, maybe, 
you know, yeah. maybe, maybe it's the other one, but let, let's really talk about it. The, the two big players right now are Marvel and Star Wars that are, uh, that are putting out a lot of material and keeping right. it all in line. And, yeah. and it's like, okay, you know, whether you, whether you like Marvel or not, you, I like Star Wars and, uh, they are top tier. They're just doing it better than anybody else, you know? Yeah. And all the way down to, and this is maybe controversial for, for some, but, you know, having Luke look like Mark Hamill in an era where he should, as opposed to just either recasting or what have you, like they go through lengths to make Star Wars as quote unquote real as possible so that when we turn on a Star Wars show or movie, we are visiting this galaxy far, far away. We're not, we're not just watching some work of fiction. Like this is a story being told to us that happened a long time ago and they go at it and make that stuff with that passion and with that desire to preserve that suspension of disbelief. And they do a remarkable job uh, at it all the way down to even in the, in the, at the theme park level at this point too. Mm-hmm. It's just, you can criticize a lot about Lucasfilm, especially over the last 10 years. But one thing that I will wave the flag and champion that they are so good at is continuity and their devotion to it is unmatched in my opinion. I think it is unbelievable how good they Mm -hmm. do with their story continuity. So that's a really good pick. And Um, that locks in my next one too. And then my last one will be like a little bit more of a wild card, but yeah, my, my next, my next one, uh, very surface level, but it's my favorite movie of all time. So the empire strikes back. I'm very thankful for Star Wars for The Empire Strikes Back. I consider it to be the best movie of all time. I think people who don't might say it's in the conversation for the best sequel of all time. Um, I think the importance of The Empire Strikes Back and why I'm thankful for it is its success in being uh, one of the most successful independent films of all time because George had the rights to it and he funded it, uh, allowed Star Wars to continue and when you think of a franchise that has a great sequel it often like you were saying about lightsabers like that can trigger the whole bevy of stories after because of how cool that is the empire strikes back does that because they're like well we made one great sequel let's chase that and do it again and then you get return the jedi whereas some franchises like terminator 2 unbelievable movie i would say better than the first terminator they kept trying to chase that they kept trying to chase that white whale and say, like, let's make another great Terminator sequel. And they haven't been able to do it since, in my opinion. Whereas Star Wars, we've gotten so much great stuff because they pro- George Lucas proved that you can make a follow-up to that first classic movie and make it great, if not better. And also Again, just set the just, bar. Yeah. And just from a personal standpoint, my favorite movie of all time. So it's just I got to be thankful for Star Wars because without Star Wars, obviously, Empire Strikes Back doesn't exist. Yeah, I think um, I think one thing that we forget about, too, is like we see movies that are sequels very often these days. And at the time that Empire Strikes Back came out, I don't think it was as common to do a sequel like that. Um, a, a, A movie that sort of like really picks up on where the last one left off and Mm -hmm. takes the characters on new journeys. I think what they, what like at the time in the seventies, very early eighties, obviously what they were looking to do when you were to say something like, Oh, so you guys are doing star Wars two, 
Yeah, right. You know, Star Wars two would be the same, like the same character again, doing the same thing again, maybe with like different villains or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it's just like, no, that's not that's not what people want to see in a story. They want to see the characters go here and then be taken on a new journey where they have to do, do X or Y. And I think that empire strikes back being as good as it is and being released when it was, has moved Hollywood into a world where we tell long form storytelling now. And even so it's gotten to the point where it's, it's, it's trailed into now where people are wanting to watch more television because they don't just want to see, um, when I say television, I mean this type of television. We've gotten less of Power Rangers where every day they fight a, a different monster. And we've gotten into television shows that are like, no, I want to see the characters fight a monster and then have to fight the same monster with a, a different thing. And then that mm-hmm. monster is a good guy now. And then, you know what I mean? Like they right. want to see that story keep going. Um, and I, I really do think that the Empire Strikes Back doesn't get enough credit because we, we talk often about how it's one of the greatest movies of all time, but we stop there for the most part. And we need to go back and, and rethink why that movie did what it did. Uh, and, and just another example of that quickly is the plot twist, the, the big thing at the end has is like the gold standard for like plot twists 100 percent, dude and it's like that movie creating that for hollywood has been like everybody in hollywood is chasing that they describe it as you know the luke i'm your father moment which i know isn't the line but that's how people talk about it and there's very few movies there's movies with great plot twists um, probably, probably number two is probably the sixth sense. Do you agree? Yeah, it's funny. I was it's, just talking about, we, that's we just gotta didn't... be the other movie that people are like, that's the gold scan- standard plot twist I will, movie. So I'll say, I'll say the sixth sense has a good twist, but it makes the movie unwatchable after you know it. I, I, I had no interest in watching that movie after that. Whereas I was just, we were, we just did the prestige on my other podcast, just like the movies. And I was saying about how Christopher Nolan gave us a movie with an unbelievable twist, but it's very rewatchable after. That's the Empire Strikes Back. Like, and you're so right, gold gold standard. You can't for do Sixth Sense two. No, like no, even if yeah. you did, it would be different. It would be like about the kid or something. I don't know. It just wouldn't be like you can't take that lore of Bruce Willis's character and expand it. But when you watch Star Wars, you're like whoa i need to know more how did his father turn into that character now what's gonna happen now that luke has that information it's just so so good and i mean we're preaching to the choir we're all star wars fans we know but we need to take a second to recognize that hey the empire strikes back happened in our franchise yeah. We're Star Wars fans. It happened in our franchise. It didn't happen over That's there. That's our awesome in, sequel. In Jaws, yeah. it wasn't Jaws two that right. took Jaws to a new level <laughs> and oh, set the bar geez. for movies from now on. Just the Jaws sequels, man. Um, all right, so that's my fourth pick. I got one more to go, but we need your fourth pick. Uh, my fourth pick 
again, is going to to roll off of the last couple of picks that I've had, and it is voice. I'm voice. so thankful that Star Wars has a very specific voice, and it's often um, pushed on by fans, but I think that Lucasfilm does a very good job at making sure that Star Wars content feels like Star Wars. And they could at any degree say, um, like, I think like a, a good example of that is like, is the Marvel stuff. Sometimes, you know, you get like Thor in this movie and then you get Thor in this other movie. And it's like, you know, the point of that movie is it was supposed to be fun and bright and different. And, you know, the point of this movie was, was supposed to be dark and blah, 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 blah. To me, I feel like even though we have our Andor and our Mandalorian, yeah. I think that both of those shows feel like Star Wars more than Marvel has ever had like a distinct uh, tone and voice. And I think that is, and even if, even if you did want to argue, like I said before, Marvel's doing continuity fine. Marvel's also doing tone pretty well too. It's not, not like I'm not trying to say how bad it is over there, but I'm trying to say, I just mentioned Jaw. Just mentioned Jaws. It's like movies and sequels could go in completely different tones and direction. And Star Wars says that's not us. We're not going to do a horror Star Wars movie. You know, if we want to add horror elements to it, it first has to be Star Wars. It has to have exactly, this exactly. tone, yeah. this voice. And then we can play in that world of making these guys kind of like zombie troopers. But we didn't get zombie, like zombie Star Wars, you know, <laughs> like it was like that's Star Wars Star has Wars. its Star Wars has it seems to have its like limits or at least things that it has to abide by. Yes, there's the, there's walls to the universe that yeah. it, like it. If you want to take this and put it into our our gardened off area, then that's fine. But we're never going to create content that's over here for a quick buck. We don't have that's topical or something. A supreme force user who can like smush a planet with the force, like a marble or something, you know, there's, or, or even, even here's a great example. That's still in star Wars. When they weren't doing this, we got the, the holiday special. Yeah. It's like, Oh, we we'll just take Scar Star Wars, or we'll take a, a variety show, and we'll just skin it with Star Wars and make the quick buck. And it's like, no, that none of that feels like Star Wars. Have they got Harrison to do you that? Need a voice. <laughs> I know. Yeah, they got all three of them to do it. It's I know. Like, it's wild, but but I mean that's how it went. And at the time, I still think those the those three actors specifically. I mean, all of them, Anthony Daniels, everybody. But like, I just don't think they even really fully grasped what Star Wars was yet. And they're still in that world where they're willing to do the variety show because Star Wars Two is right around the corner, and they don't yeah. understand what a great uh, <laughs> franchise and story and um, so many other stories this could be because imagine, Empire Strikes Back hadn't happened yet, you know? Imagine the holiday just, special derailed the franchise and just like, like that's Fox what, I is think, like, we're not making your sequel. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so voice, definitely uh, a cousin of what you were saying with continuity, but I like what you're, what you're saying there. So it has its own distinct voice. Um, mm-hmm. I like that. Okay. Um, all right. I have, and yeah, and 
in terms of that, you're right, because also aside from it knowing its limits and and that's also a part of that whole element of making it like real, because if it's real, then there are limits to it because it exists. Um, but as far as uh, its voice, it's distinct in that, like you see something and you could almost be like, yeah, that I think that's Star, that's Star Wars. You know, I can feel that that's like Star Wars. Um, but so yeah, it's a good pick. Um, my last one here, um, probably gushing for for points, but I'm gonna say it, uh, fandom. Um, so you just, you took the two, I had two, no, but you narrowed down. So I only have the one left. So I got to go with that one then. Oh, okay. You chose for me essentially is what you did. All right. Well, I mean, we could probably both speak to this anyway, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I don't pay attention to, you know, the social media stuff that can get uh, a bit nasty among some people. I'm talking about the real fandom of Star Wars. When you, you go outside of your house and you, you meet somebody who likes Star Wars and you nerd out with them for a few minutes and they go on their way, you go on your way. And, you know, just how it gets handed down from, from generation to generation. It's very familial, whether it's meeting people like in our podcast community, whether that's fellow podcasts or people who listen to our podcast and we've developed our own little corner of the fan galaxy, so to speak with TRB. Hi everybody. Love you. Um, And just like the three of us, you, me and Lacey and and how we've gotten on over the years. And I really do feel like star Wars fandom. When you think about it, there's no Marvel celebration. There's no DC celebration. There's a star Wars celebration because of the fans and how much it means to us. You know, it's, I don't like to take it too seriously, but at the same time, it is our like sort of new mythology and it teaches a lot of great lessons and it, you walk through an event and, you know, there's probably a lot of people who haven't been to a celebration, but um, if you go to any convention, you'll see Star Wars fans and they're always approachable and they'll always want to nerd out with you and talk to you. And there is um, that cool element of being out somewhere which probably happens with like a band t-shirt too, but you see someone wearing a Star Wars t-shirt and you're like, Hey, you give them like sort of do like you, a nod or like a. Do you a remember wave. when I tried to cultivate that? And ne- I never was able to get you guys on board or anybody else, but I came up with, "Hey, Star Wars." Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. I real, I, st- I'm, hey, I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you on the podcast right now. I think that's a good idea because there is that thing where, like, if I see someone with a Star Wars short, I know I'm going to get along with that person. I know that I'm going to be able to give them like that, like hopefully air knuckles or whatever. No, I, yeah, yeah. I think so. The the air knuckles that that sports teams have where you're like, you could say go blue and immediately there's that like camaraderie of like, Hey, we both like the same thing. And it Mm -hmm. works with band shirts too. You know Um, you can just tell by a person because they're wearing a certain band shirt. Um, And, and my thing was, I I wanted a branding that was called Hey Star Wars. And and it was just the thing that when you walked by a person and you, you saw them and you wanted to connect, you need, we need some, we could say something like may the force be with you or whatever, but I just wanted, I just wanted something that was like, Hey, you know, like, Hey, I see you. We're, we're aware of each other kind of thing. Now um, you had, you had this on your list also. As I a did. I wrote it. I, I wrote it as community, which I, is, I wrote is, fandom slash community. Yeah. 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 So, um, my, my thing here is, um, everything that you just talked about as far as, as, as all that, but also where I sort of came from is one thing that I absolutely do enjoy is, the fact that there are podcasts, the fact that there are YouTube videos, the fact that there are blogs like 
our old Star Wars news net. You know what I mean? That people that are like covering this stuff regularly, daily, and it's all because they're fans. You know, it, it's not like something yeah. where there's like there's money in it, so people are just doing it to whatever. It's it's usually um, people who love Star Wars and they love talking about Star Wars, so they create the content which just absolutely makes everything about Star Wars better because you get the different perspective and you can you can have the conversation, you can talk to other fans, all that stuff. It comes down to the content that they're that the community is creating and the vibe that they're putting off is what makes. Star Wars, great. Um, I agree. And in a lot, yeah, and in a lot of cases, like I said, it it, it accelerates um, the conversation. And oftentimes, like I never thought about it like that because Lucasfilm isn't going to tell us everything. You know, Hayden has great quotes sometimes, but you know, we need to to listen to the other voices in the community to be like uh, to be like Daisy. I never thought about it like that before. Yeah, so. yeah, and. You know, the whole element of, you know, with kids, I, I my my kids aren't there yet, but if they do want to get into Star Wars, it'll be cool being able to see them experience it through their eyes and watch them, you know, take it in and have what they think about it, who their favorites are. And it's it's definitely one of those things that it's been around for so long for a reason. You know, movie franchises and IPs come and go and they have their moments, but Star Wars has stood the test of time and has been here and still here. So it's, and, and, and the fans, the fans are a massive part of that, you know? So, yeah. And like, like I said, when it comes down to like these videos and these podcasts and stuff like that, it like, like Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049, great movies, undeniably, you know what I mean? So many people look at them or Terminator, you were mentioning Terminator, Terminator 2, right? And they're still making those movies. There is not a, a, like, regularly every week uh, just a slew of videos about the lore revolving around those stories right it's like star trek has that marvel has that you know but marvel probably even more so not even about the movies more so about like the comics and like that stuff the content that comes out of star wars is so great um from the the fan community that I think that we should be thankful that it's very easy to watch an episode of Ahsoka and then be able to go and find just, you know, so much uh, supplemental content after that. Yeah. Coming from the fan community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right, man. So that rounds out my picks. Uh, You have one pick to go and then we'll run through the list again and, Get out of here so everybody can get on with their Thanksgiving. This was the first thing I wrote, and I was kind of like, I don't know if this is the direction we're going or not. And so once I figured out my own voice and tone for this uh, segment, I went back and looked at that first one. I was like, I probably won't even mention it, but now I got to. Oh boy. It's Disney+. Plus. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hit me with it. Why Disney+. Plus? Well, I think the... The thing for me, more than you and Lacey specifically, is you guys seem to be physical media, and I am all about digital media. I love that Disney decided to launch this app and headline it, and literally headline it, Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, National Geographic, and Pixar. You know, Mm -hmm. 
And Star Wars is one of those things that whenever you open up this app, and this may change. There's talks of like merging with Hulu and like, so that might not be forever. My thing is like, I love that when I open up my Disney app, it has Star Wars right up there at the top. And it's like, this is, this is an amazing franchise. This is a corner of our organization. Um, And when I click on that button, it takes me to all of the movies, you know, all of the TV shows, you know, all, all these uh, behind the scenes documentaries and everything. And they've cataloged it in a way that is available on my phone, on my iPad, on my television, on my browser, like at any moment I can just click plus and, and, and type in that, that URL that goes Disney plus slash star Wars. And it's like, boom, the whole world is right here. Um, and the only, the only criticism I have with Disney plus is that I wish they would include, um, the stuff that's on YouTube. And I get that there's a point for it being on YouTube, but like, I do wish I could go through and just, just as long as I wanted to click a little bit further, I could get galaxy of adventures and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, I think that if, if you have this app that is supposed to be your, your digital um, <laughs> Mecca for all things under this brand, I, th- I think it's a good idea to next time you raise your prices, just take some of the, that stuff and say, you know, yeah, it's a, it, you can watch the stuff on YouTube, but obviously you get the stuff on YouTube and more. It's not just like the other stuff. You get yeah. all of it in one place. So that that's my only criticism with Disney+. Plus. But for me, the way that it stands right now, I love digitally that there is this one place to go for all things Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that Star Wars is responsible for it, but... They did kick off Disney Plus with The Mandalorian. So I think that makes it a very uh, valid pick because The Mandalorian became successful immediately. And then that gave them the confidence to do more. And that gave us more Star Wars TV. And I was going to say, I didn't, I actually didn't even think of that. The fact that like, because Disney plus exists, Mandalorian and Ahsoka and, 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 or those exist now too, you know? Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's I I, ne- I never would have picked it, and I never I don't even I don't even know if I ever would have thought of like picking Disney Plus as like thank you Star Wars for Disney Plus, but when you think about it in that sense, because they really did kick everything off with the Mandalorian, um, I, I I think it's valid, and it has really opened up things a bit because well all the stuff we were just talking about in Resistance Report. Uh, six hours ago or whatever it was um, Long episode about how back you know back. expanding these galaxies and all stuff that all happened on Disney plus Star Wars so um, there is something to that so I, I think that is a, a valid choice um, but uh, that wraps up the list man we we got mm-hmm. through the draft uh, let's go through what we ended up picking so uh, round one I picked the sound slash visual effects revolution uh, round one, you picked behind the scenes featurettes and documentaries. Uh, and again, this is what we were are thankful for Star Wars. Uh, round two, I picked lightsabers. And round two, you picked expanded lore. Uh, round three, I went with humanizing science fiction. Round three, you went with story continuity. Uh, round four, I went with The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, round four, you went with the Star Wars having its distinct voice. 
and uh, round five, I went with Fandom Community, and uh, you went with Disney Plus, and those are our picks. Uh, that's what we were are thankful for Star Wars in this draft. Probably revisit this in the future, maybe even next Thanksgiving. Get Lacey in the mix and see what we can do there. But uh, it was a good time. Good time drafting. You have fun? Yeah. You know, it's funny. You read that again, and I'm like, yeah, man, my my pick does seem really random at the, the end there. Plus Disney one? Plus. Yeah. But hey, man, you know, like there's something about it for me. Like, uh, we, I, you know, Apple's doing, I just got into soccer. Everybody knows this. It listens to podcasts, but like Apple did this thing called MLS season pass. And it's so good to have everything in one, in one spot, man. I'm telling you versus like all these different games that are airing on all sorts of different stations and stuff. It's like, just give me all of it in one place where I can click that button and it's right Fair. there. And so like, I'm so glad that, uh, that star Wars, it, like I said, it wasn't star Wars that did it, but I'm glad that star Wars, has is the top tier of you know the the headliner in when it comes to Disney Plus. Especially, yeah, especially the, the launch of it, um, no yeah. doubt. Um, all right, good stuff. Uh, let us know what you think about our draft. I uh, want to hear what maybe some things you might have picked if you had the opportunity to draft. And who knows, maybe in the future we'll introduce some uh, fan picks if uh, if you like the draft. So first of all, let us know if you enjoy the draft format. Um, it's certainly nothing we necessarily invented, but uh, we did do one quite uh, many years ago, almost uh, six years ago now. I think, but I think we need to get into those ones where we really are going to steal each other's answers. Um, oh yeah, so yeah. and yeah. and I I realized that after the fact, even though there's two of us, we shouldn't be going back and forth. We should still do snake because yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, way I more agree. fair. I think when, yeah, when Lacey's back, it will probably be the next time we do a draft. Anyway, we'll probably do a three-person snake, and it'll be easier to to justify it that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree. Um, okay, uh, that's it. So we want to thank everybody for listening, watching, being a part of TRB. We hope you enjoyed this big fat episode because <laughs> we are not putting in, out an episode three Monday. Sentence. Yeah, basically, well, what, yeah. What we did was we took the Monday episode and mixed it with the thursday episode so that's what this is here you can mm-hmm. cut it in part one and two if you want to split us up on two vhs tapes that's fine with me but uh we have no episode coming monday we'll we'll be back next thursday for trb live so we hope you enjoyed this one um that all the news we talked about and 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 our draft so thank you to everybody for listening and watching and being a part of trb uh make sure you are subscribed to the show and if you're sitting around a thanksgiving table today and you know someone who likes Star Wars or Star Wars comes up. Hey, do you hear about this movie? Do you hear about this? Just say like, hey, have you checked out this podcast? The Resistance Broadcast. Check them out. They're the best Star Wars podcast in the galaxy. Uh, that's you saying that. That's not me saying that. That's you saying that. <laughs> so let them know and uh, spread the word. We appreciate it. But ultimately, we hope everyone just has a, a great holiday and great Thanksgiving. Um, if you do love what we do here at TRB, check out our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Resistance Broadcast. Tiers start at just five bucks. We have a lot of great exclusive content on there, including bonus uh, episodes, commentaries. We have a Discord server. We have a lot of stuff on there. So head to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. And uh, if you're able to, and uh, and you can support us, thank you very much. Uh, We want to do a special shout out to our generals and spice runners. Carmelo, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Frank Grande, Nick Kratz, Chris Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny Mike Ramori, Keith, Brendan McLaughlin, Sneaky Zebra, Colin Cormier, Jolton Jedi DiMaggio, Diana and Dave Hornack, and the Spice Runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, 
Kendall Gellner, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Michael Fry, and the Fort Worthian, and all of our patrons and all of our supporters, all of our listeners, all of our friends. Thank you all so much. Be sure to hit up Lacey on social media at Lacey Gillerin. And uh, for me, it's at Johnny Hoey and my movie podcast, Just Like the Movies. Uh, we just put out our episode on Christopher Nolan's The Prestige. Uh, so check that out. Watch the movie first, then check it out. It's in my top 10 movies of all time. Uh, James, how about you? Uh, I also really like The Prestige. Is that what you mean? Oh, all right. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. No, that, yeah, that movie is, is quite incredible. Um, yeah. And then uh, what was the other movie that came out like right at the same time? The Illusionist. Illusionist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, if you guys want to talk to me about The Prestige or The Illusionist or Star Wars, uh, hit me <laughs> up on social media at Meyer Trunks. All right. That will do it for us here. Uh, so, again, no episode Monday because we sort of gave you two episodes in one here today. Uh, have a wonderful Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, if you're not in the U.S., you don't celebrate Thanksgiving, what have you, have a, just have a great weekend. We hope everyone's well out there. Be safe, be happy, and we'll see you next Thursday for TRB Live right here on the Resistance Broadcast. See you around, kids. <laughs>